Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. That was 69 weeks, and then there was one more week. And according to the prophet, that's for the time of tribulation. So that's interesting. But here's the part of the story that's fascinating. There are legends that Daniel the prophet, he was in Babylon at the time, so that was Persia, Iran, Iraq area. There are legends that he got a sect of the wise men, a group of the wise men, because he was one of the wise men. He was one of the court wise men and counselors. There is a legend that he said, look, we've got the countdown till the time of the Messiah. Let's keep track. So fast forward 400 and something years later, you have the story of the wise men. Some have said, historically and possibly according to legend, that these can be traced back to the prophet Daniel. Fascinating story. You're like, how did they know? How did they know what the star meant? Well, they'd been waiting. I'm sure God had been speaking to them in dreams and all kinds of stuff. So let's get on with our story here. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. It was Herod the Great. He, he expanded the temple grounds. He did lots of great building projects. He was a little bit of a psycho, though. Are y'all still with me? He was a little bit of a psycho. He was a little bit of a sociopath. He was a murderer. He was crazy. He was... Men and women of God have told us that he operated in a Jezebel spirit. He was always manipulating people. He was lying. It was by any means necessary. You say, man, doesn't just a woman operate in a Jezebel spirit? That's named after Jezebel in the Bible. No, the Jezebel spirit, it has lots of manifestations, and it can operate through men or women. And you see Herod, you know he operated in that spirit. He was a manipulator, a liar, a conniver. He was actually a murderer. That's taking it to the next level. He, I mean, he was just anything to stay ahead. So this was during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands, magi, right, or three kings according to some of our stories, from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now this is a part of the story I don't understand, because anyone in that region would have known that Herod was a sociopath. I do not know if that was just part of God's plan, if God sent them to Jerusalem, but they went to Jerusalem first, and I don't know why they announced in Jerusalem, hey, where's the newborn king? I don't know if maybe they thought he was part of the royal family, physically. He's going to be part of Herod's household. I don't know. But this is interesting. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. I know why Herod was disturbed. I still don't know why all of Jerusalem was disturbed. I don't know if they thought there was going to be a revolt. You know, because a lot of people thought Jesus, was when he arrived... The Son of God, the Messiah, they thought he was going to take over the Israel and kick out the Romans and take over the planet, take over things, and be the greatest ever since David and Solomon. That's not how it was. He wasn't that kind of king at that time. All right? So Herod, look at what he did. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? He figured out that the king they were asking about, the king of the Jews, was the Messiah, the anointed one that was prophesied. They said, in Bethlehem, in Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. 
Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. I bet the wise men were a little freaked out at this point. I don't know. I'm sure they traveled with soldiers and guards and a whole entourage. But you're in Jerusalem now with a crazy king. I don't know why they announced all this. You got a crazy king that everybody knows. He's a killer. And he calls a meeting with them. And he learned from them the time when what? The time when the star first appeared. He's trying to figure out the baby's age, isn't he? He's already on a good one here. Then he told them, look at this Jezebel spirit operating in this guy. He's lying. He's a murderer. He's self-seeking. He's self-centered. He says, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. Make sure you find him. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Here's what you need to know about Herod. Herod had numerous wives, right? History tells us he killed his favorite wife. Then he regretted it later. Don't know why. Three or four days before he died, and he knew he was dying, he killed his favorite son. Why? That was his heir. His favorite son, whom he loved the most, supposedly. He killed his heir, his favorite son, three or four days before he died, and he knew he was dying. So the guy wasn't all there. He's a little bit crazy. And now he's telling the, the three kings, the three wise men, hey, go and find him carefully. Go look for him so that I can go worship him too, right? All right. This is a real modern translation here. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to what? To Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. There's, there's argument about this. There are those that believe that the star was actually moving and guiding them based upon that verse. Can you go back to that? I don't know for sure. I wasn't there. Neither were you, right? It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. So I even read a story that they believed there was high probability that God did such a miracle in the sky that he had a glowing star that was moving and guiding them. They saw it from the east, and they followed it, and then it began to move, and then it rested over where Jesus was. Okay? This is interesting. We don't know, but that's what the Scripture says there, and that could have been, that, that the star was moving. Okay? It led them. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. I believe that's one of the most beautiful things about Christmas is the lights. I can sit and stare at the lights, ask my wife, Sometimes I've been a Scrooge. Some years I was like, I don't want to put up the tree. But man, once we got it up, I'd go, I'm going to just sit here and look at it. I'm going to just look at it. I'm going to get some coffee or something. I'm going to read my Bible in front of it. I'm going to read in front. I'm going to just look at it. The other, the other night after church, Jen went to sleep, and I wasn't quite tired yet, so I went in there in the living room, and I just sat and read in front. And I just, in front of the Christmas tree, and I kept thinking, wow, Jesus, the light of the world, who lives in us now, and he says, we are the light of the world, the symbol of Jesus, the light of the world of the world. When they saw the star, they saw the great light. Can you imagine? They were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those gifts are really, really unique because gold is the gift for a king symbolically. frankincense can be the gift for a deity or God, or it can be the gift for the priest of your people. So that covers all the bases, right? You got the king, you got the priest, you got God in the flesh, and then here's what's really unique is myrrh 
is something they use for people's burial. So here he is, a little baby, and they brought the gifts for a king, for the God-priest, and then for his... I'm sure they didn't even understand why they gave that, but they gave it for his, they were, they gave it for his death. Hmm. Fascinating gifts. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. <laughs> you don't want to go back to that dude. He's crazy. He may kill y'all. He may kill everybody. Get away from him. So here's some things that I pulled out of this story, and I want to give you some points today. Real simple, but man, I think, I think some of these are profound, and some of these are a repetition for you. They're a repeat. That's okay. How many of you know repetition is good? When I went to school, teachers repeated themselves all the time, and they drilled us and drilled us and drilled us and said, what about this? What does that mean? I remember my science class. Coach Malone taught us the first 30 elements of the periodic table. Hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium. Boron, carbon, nitrogen. Well, he, he would drill that into our heads, and sometimes we'd come to class, and he'd be singing it in his rich voice. Hydrogen, helium. And he would sing the first 30 elements of the periodic table, and it was repetition, repetition, repetition. Some of this may be a repeat for you, but once again, I do repeat myself again. I believe it's going to be a blessing for you today. My first point today is seek God with all of your heart. In everything you do, in everything you do, seek God. I have a real quick little video clip today that's going to add to this. My wife showed me this this past week, and this really touched my heart. There was a recent study by the Center for Bible Engagement where they pulled 40,000 uh, uh, general population in the U.S. from 8 to 80, and they just wanted to see how we are engaging the scriptures. Right. And they discovered something that actually became kind of the profound discovery of the entire study. It, they weren't even looking for this, and this just kind of became the highlight of the study. Right. Um, when we're in the scripture one time a week, and that could be church on Sunday, that's pastor saying you open your Bible, we hear the message, one time a week had negligible effect on some fears here. So I'm going to spell that out more here in a moment. Two times a week, negligible effect. Now at three times a week, there was a blip on the map, like there was a heartbeat. Something happened, again, a heartbeat. Okay. But here's the profound discovery. When we're in the scripture four times a week, it literally spikes off the charts. You would expect that it'd be one, two, three, there'd be a gradual impact on the effect and impact that would have in your life, but it was literally one, two, three, four, something radically happened. Okay, you got my curiosity. To this extent. What kind of behavior is being affected? Feeling lonely dropped 30%. Wow. Because you have a confidence in God's word. 
Wow. So you say, wow, I'm, I'm just seeking God for him. Well, you're seeking God for your benefit as well. Did you catch some of that? Loneliness drops. Feeling stagnant drops. Struggling with pornography and alcoholism. Sharing your faith rises. Discipling rises. Wow. All because you're seeking God in his word at least four times a week. Now, I wonder what it does five times a week. Six, seven times a week. Does it stay around there? Does it start to spike more? Does it go up gradually? I don't know. But I'm going to tell you this. There's been some challenging, trying tough times in my life and I don't even know if they were terrible times but it felt terrible to me because I was struggling and I'd read a chapter and I was still struggling I'd get into the second chapter and it was crazy it's not magical it's God's word and it's faith in his word and it's obeying him and it's seeking him because you love him he says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you I remember even struggling at times, and in the second, third chapter of reading the Word, and man, something started changing. I was like, I'm, I'm doing better. I'm doing better. I can feel God's presence. He's speaking to me. I'm seeking Him now. I've taken my eyes off myself, and I'm placed him on Jesus. I've placed Him on Jesus now. Loneliness plummets. Hmm. Wow. Feeling spiritually stagnant. That goes away, or it, it, it drops. Seek God in everything and for everything, through everything, in Scripture, in prayer. Let Him be your number one priority always. You've heard me say that up here until I'm blue in the face probably over the years. Man, did you know you can seek God on Facebook? You can seek God on social media? The many of you like social media, you use it. You can seek God on there. You can listen to little things. That, that actually came from Instagram. Jen sent me the link, and that's all she did. She didn't say anything else. She just sent me the link. And I checked it out and was amazed. That was on Instagram. So you can seek God even with your social media time. Seek God when you're alone. Seek God when you're with friends. Seek God on trips. Seek Him. Over the years, it's been a wonderful thing to have married a woman called to the ministry like I was and someone who's just more than a believer, but someone who just really loved God. And over the years, man, we've prayed together so much before trips, during trips, after trips, if we felt something, if we didn't feel something, if we were thanking God for something, if we were asking Him for something, if we were claiming favor. We've always just sought God together. We just seek God together through life, and that's what you have to do as believers. You need to seek God together through life. So number one is seek God. You know the three wise men? We don't know how far away they traveled from back then. Hundreds, thousands of miles exactly. But talk about seeking God no matter what. No matter what, they pressed on. And there's a lot of desert over there, folks. You think Hobbs in this area is deserty? Over there, there's some real desert, like even more sparse than here. There's been people living here a while. There's desert out there. And they went through the desert. They went through it all to get to Jesus so they could worship him. Seek God with all of your heart this holiday season. Don't wait. Don't wait. Number two today, have a plan. Some of you are natural-born planners. Some of you write down lists and have plans all the time for stuff. I am not naturally a planner. I am a free spirit. I remember after I got married, I, I told my wife something like, uh, no, I'll just do it as I go. And she said, you do everything as you go. <laughs> I'll never forget where we were standing when she said that. 
It was our old apartment years ago. Folks are different, but this is for people like me too. I've got to have a plan or some things just don't get done. You've got to have a plan. My father-in-law, we call him, I call him Big Dad. Father-in-law, he's a big guy. Some of you have seen him or met him, big deep voice. He's 6'2", 6'3", big old guy, a lot bigger than me. We'll show up over there for vacation or for Christmas or whatever, and we go to sit down with him, or, or we're driving even in from the airport. They pick us up, and always one of the first questions he asks is, what's the plan? All right, guys, so listen, what's the plan? And we'll start, and he'll say, you don't have to tell me now, but can we discuss it later or tomorrow morning? And, and he'll say, here's the plan. But usually we have a plan, right, love? We have a plan, even by the time we get to their house. And here's the funniest thing to me about some of the plans is sometimes Big Dad will say things like, okay, so that day we're not going to have a plan. The plan is to not have a plan that morning. So we plan for that, though, and I like it. Say, so, yeah, we're going to wake up, we're going to take our time, and he'll be detailed. We'll wake up, take our time. They're coffee drinkers. Say, we're going to have our cup of coffee. Usually... <laughs> I'm not ashamed to say this, but we go on these trips. Usually, man, I, we get there, and I'm tired, and, and they're two hours ahead of us on the East Coast. I'm usually the last one out of bed in the morning. I just am over there. I just stumble out, but they're drinking coffee. Sometimes I get up a little earlier, and especially if we're going deer hunting, then it's real early. But otherwise, I sleep in. It's vacation, right? It's holidays. But there's a plan. Say, all right, that night, and I'm telling you, the first day or two, we have a plan even for the last night of our time there, even, okay, we're going to cook steaks that night. And they're great cooks. We're going to have baked potatoes, and we're going to go fish, or whatever. There's a plan. Why should there be a plan? Because many times when there's not a plan, it does not happen. Did you know I plan on coming to the church multiple times a week in the morning so I can come here, and I know it will happen, and I'll be alone with God? That's my plan. At least three days during the week, on average, I come and spend time alone with God here, right here in the sanctuary. I usually lay down over there, sit over there, walk around, sit in here sometimes. But I seek God, and that's the plan. And on Saturday, every Saturday, whether I'm preaching or not, on Sunday, I come to church, and I find one of the offices. I take turns. I have keys to different offices, and I like, I like to see different things, so I'll go to a different office sometimes and I bounce around the property, or I'll be in here. But usually it's one of the offices, and I'll seek God. Last week, Jen spoke on Sunday. said, oh, man, you just took Saturday off. No, I didn't take Saturday off from God. I came to church, and I still prayed. It's part of the plan. you got to have a plan for spending time with God, even with others. Sometimes you got to plan. I know you shouldn't plan everything. I remember years ago, do you guys remember that show, Alf? Just kidding, ha! Right? Alf, he was making fun of, what was the guy's name, Willie, the man, the dad? And he's making fun of him, and he goes, oh, I guess I'll just, this is Alf talking, he says, I guess I'll go lay out my clothes for the rest of this century. Because Willie's a planner, I guess. But I'm going to tell you that planning has even helped me. Did you know on Saturdays, this makes my Sunday mornings much easier. I get out of the house much quicker. I lay out my clothes. We have a room. We call, we've called it over the years the baby room in faith. It's kind of a closet room right now. There's shoes and some stuff in there. And I have my closet in there. And, and I have a chair that I sit down when I'm getting dressed. 
but I'll go and open the door to the closet and I'll start hanging out stuff. Yesterday, I, I went, oh, I, I like that shirt. And I got it out. Went, okay. I think I can match those. Jen's told me before, okay. So I got out some stuff, got out my shoes and socks, and I get my belt out. And guess what? In the morning, when I'm ready to go, what I just slip into all of that. There's a plan. A plan gives you hope. I feel like it gives you hope because it's something to look forward to, but it also gives meaning and purpose, and it also brings an ease of access in life. It helps you transition into the next thing that you're planning for. I guarantee you the three wise men had a plan. You saw it. They traveled. They didn't just go, okay, guys, let's go today, right now. No, they, they probably planned their journey and got everybody together, and it was probably exacting and arduous. Getting, I imagine they had soldiers traveling with them and lots of camels. People just imagine, it's just three guys going through the desert. No, they had wealth. If they could bring gifts worth millions of dollars or whatever they were worth, those guys were wealthy. They traveled in a caravan. A caravan is not a vehicle, okay? Wasn't there a Dodge caravan? It's not a vehicle. They traveled in a caravan, a long line of people, a group, camels, mules, donkeys. I don't know. They probably had servants with them and all kinds of food and everything else. They had a plan. So you got to have a goal. And I believe goals lead to vision. Vision has not always been a strong point for me, but I've gotten stronger in that area. And vision is looking ahead saying, I can see how I want things to be when I get to that date. This is what I want. And it ties into goals. But vision is, here's how I want it. Here's how I want life to be, or I want my relationship with God to be, or my relationship with someone else. Look into the areas where you have no plan and you've avoided planning. Here's my challenge to you today for you non-planners. This is to me too. Areas where you've tried to avoid planning, get into those areas and very soon make a plan. This has helped us as a ministry. You know, we have our church calendar, and it's excellent because, you know, you get off kilter, you get the stress of life and children and things going on and the ministry and lots of things going on. Say, oh, man, let's do this, let's do that. Well, what does the calendar say? We've lined it up. Is it, is it unchangeable? No, but we have a guideline and an outline for the next year. Okay? What does the calendar say? Have a plan. Number three today. Don't you dare let life stop you. Don't you let life stop you. Things are going to happen in life. You said, man, that's why I don't plan, because they don't work out. No, you still got to have a plan. They say that's a large part of being in the military. You always have a plan, but things seldom go according to plan. Just exactly like you wanted. There's always a glitch. Don't you let life stop you. An illness or a disappointment or a death in the family or this happened or a hard time or I got hurt. or Man, you keep the faith no matter the cost. Struggles, prayers you're waiting on, disappointments, setbacks. Do not let life stop you. Those three kings, I could just imagine. Those three wise men and their entourage, I could just imagine. Wow, they just kept going and going hundreds or even thousands of miles to get to Jesus. They had a plan, and they did not let life stop them. Who knows what they encountered along the way? We have no idea. Wild animals, dust storms, we don't know. Sunny, sunny, extra sunny days out in the desert, man, sun beating down. We don't know what they went through exactly to get to where they were going. 
Just don't let life stop you. Don't let the, you know what? Step past your struggles. Just decide to today. Step past the struggle. How? Just like this. Wait, how? How do I step past the struggle? Keep stepping. A relative told me he had a guy that used to work for him, and he was a real optimist. He'd say, hey, boss, man, that's just another step. He said, steppers get to stepping, boss, man. Steppers keep stepping. Uh-huh, that's right. It's just another step. Just keep stepping. Say, man, you don't even know. No, Pastor Matt, you and Pastor Jen and the family, no, y'all, y'all look great at church. Like, man, there's no problems going on. And no, man, some of y'all know our story. We've had to go through some stuff this year. We've had some disappointments this year. Follow my wife on Facebook. Check it out. We're excited. We're optimistic. God is with us. But man, steppers just keep on stepping. Don't you dare let life stop you. Number four today, let God lead you. The three wise men, they had a star to lead them. Well, you have Jesus to lead you, his word. We talked about Bible reading. That ties into it. Those of you that were here on Wednesday night, I played a message by Pastor Joel. It's called Loving God, Loving Others. Talked about how you really want to get to love God then you really need to get to know him. And the way you get to know God is being alone with him. You don't get to know God by texting. You don't get to know God by watching Netflix, right? I mean, you may get some information about him, a great Christian documentary or some great series, and you get a revelation. But you want to really get close to God? Get alone with him. And let him lead you. Listen to him. Spend time alone with him to love him more and more and recognize his voice. And you got to listen to godly wisdom from others. I was telling my dad this morning, I've said this to Jen even recently, is there are those, you see them in, in this certain state, they're struggling, they're struggling, they're struggling. Everybody goes through struggles, amen? Everybody. But then there are those you see and you go, man, they could be doing so much better in their walk with God and with others and in their lives, in their mental and emotional health, but they never listen to anybody. I've had people like that in my life. They don't listen to anybody. They don't, they don't listen. And I don't, I really don't necessarily mean anybody in here, really. I, I've, I've had some people in my mind over my life right now, and they're not in here. And they have not listened to anybody. They got to a point where they didn't listen to anybody, much less God. And that goes back and forth. You say, how am I going to listen to others if I don't listen to God? How am I going to listen to God if I don't listen to the wise, powerful Spirit of God and other people? Now, sometimes people give you bad advice, right? But what about the good ones in your life that have had a proven track record, and they give you some advice, you're like, I ain't going to do that, because it didn't line up with what you thought it should be. So let God lead you through others and through His voice, through His Word, spend time alone with Him. You saw that. Get into the Word. Let that be your goal right now at least four days a week. My challenge to you is, and I know Pastor would say this as well, my challenge to you, though, is to be in the Word seven days a week. Somehow, someway, you say, man, I can't read through the, all three chapters, then read one chapter. Read the Word. Meditate on the Word. Get into the Word. Think about the Word. Talk about the Word seven days a week. You want hope in life, the thrill of hope? Let's look back at our points today. Number one, seek God with everything that is within you. Number two, have a plan for stuff. You don't have to plan everything, but you need to plan a lot of things, really. 
Some may say you got to plan most things. Number three, don't let life stop you. Don't let bitterness, discouragement, disappointment stop you. Keep forgiving people. That's for somebody today. Keep forgiving. One, one of the favorite ways of the enemy to stop you and to, to cause life to stop you is to put unforgiveness and bitterness on you. You'll be dead in your tracks. You'll be stuck in the mud, man. Don't let life stop you. No matter the cost, keep the faith. Somebody say, keep the faith. Say it again. Say, keep the faith. No matter the cost. That's right. And number four, you let God lead you. I challenge you today. Let God lead you. Say, man, I, I haven't heard from God. Oh, I have. I, I read his word today. Did you hear his voice? Did the heavens thunder? No, I read his word today, and he spoke to me through his word this morning. He's speaking to you right now. You say, no, I'm, I'm nowhere near God, but I guarantee you some things I said today from his word spoke to you, and that was God speaking to you through this bald-headed messenger. All right? Seek God. Have a plan. Don't let life stop you. And you be sure and let God lead you in all that you do. Listen to wisdom. Listen to his wisdom. Listen to wisdom and godly people around you. Let's bow our heads today. Let's close our eyes. Is there anybody in the house at the sound of my voice today that says, Pastor Matt, I need to accept Jesus. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Is there anybody in here who says, I don't, I don't know where I'd go if I, if I died. I don't know where I'd go today. I don't know where I'd go next week. Would you raise your hand if you need, you want and you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? You want to make a public confession of faith today? Raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. I see a hand. And that hand makes all the difference. That just touched my heart. So I know it touched God's heart. God bless you. I want everybody in here to pray. Repeat these words after me, okay? Out loud. Say, Heavenly Father. I need you, Lord. I cannot live without you. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. I believe that Jesus died and rose again for me. I confess Jesus as my Lord, my Savior, and my God. I believe in Jesus' name. By that confession of faith, the Lord has come to live in your heart if that was the first time you've prayed that. Now, for everybody in this house, you say, man, I've been a little short on hope. I need God to restore hope in my life. Would you raise your hand today? I need God to restore hope in my life. Yep, it's over something, isn't it? It's over something. Go ahead and stand to your feet, everybody in this house, not just the folks that raise their hands. Now, everybody raise your hand. Let's pray together. Let's unite our faith. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Father, we thank you for your track record in these lives. God, we thank you because you've been so good to us. God, you've brought us here on a Sunday morning with our heart beating, the sun shining outside in this Christmas season to be able to hear your word in a comfortable sanctuary on a Sunday morning. Now, God, restore hope in our lives. Restore gratefulness. Restore excitement and joy and fun and laughter God let it be so in Jesus name we call out to you restore hope in our lives now pull us back into your word pull us back into your word Lord God in Jesus name pull us back into your word so that we have hope all the time sustained 
You are the rock of our salvation. We honor you today. We give you glory today. I break every spirit of depression. In Jesus' name, I cast it off of you and out of this place right now. Heaviness, depression, go. Get lost and never come back. Lies, fear, anxiety, depression. You're gone in Jesus' name. I loosen the oil of gladness, the garment of praise, as heaviness is broken. I loosen power, love, and a sound mind as fear is broken. I loosen truth as lies are broken today, God. Let it be so in our lives. We love you, God, and we promise, we promise to serve you. Continue to give us hope. God, you are our well of hope. You are living water to us. Thank you for satisfying our thirst, O oh God, with good things. We give you glory and we praise you and we thank you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, let's give the Lord another clap offering today.